0: I learned so much through a process of journaling and coaching with my mentor and the peers that I was with in my group. I grew so much in confidence and the ability to push forward when I didn't feel confident and just learning how to become someone new while I
1: kept the parts of me that were great. Hello and welcome to the Shift Your Day Job podcast. I'm Brittany Cates. Your host and companion on this incredible journey of career transformation get ready for inspiring stories valuable insights and a roadmap to shift your mindset towards a more fulfilling professional life in each episode we explore the remarkable journeys of individuals who made the leap from one career to another as we navigate through these stories together you'll find motivation strategies and the confidence to pursue your dreams Whether you're feeling stuck, contemplating a change, or just seeking a dose of inspiration, this podcast is your weekly companion. Tune in every Thursday as we uncover the secrets to shifting your day job. I'm Brittany Cates, and I'm here to guide you on your path to a more fulfilling career. Hello, and welcome to the Shift Your Day Job podcast. I'm your host, Brittany Cates, and I'm glad you've joined me today. I have a special guest. She is a good friend of mine who we became friends when we were both a part of the UR Techie program and both career transitioning, trying to figure out what our next steps were. She's been a really great cheerleader for me as I have moved into the UX space, collaborating with her on different projects, or even just sharing our struggles and our challenges and the advice she's given me along the way and her perspective. It's all just meant so much to me. So I'm really excited to have her on the podcast. Please give a warm welcome to Erin Zebart. Hi. Hi. How are you?
0: (laughs) Good. It's nice to see you.
1: (laughs) You too. It's been a while. I know.
0: We've been working. (laughs) We've been busy.
1: Yes. Yes. Well, thank you for being willing to be
0: on my podcast. Yeah, this <laughs> is so exciting. <laughs> I love your like website and everything. So great. Thank you. So
1: the goal of the podcast is to help women who feel like they're stuck in a career that they don't know what else to do to give them more inspiration and encouragement that it is possible to make a change. Definitely. So talk a little bit about your journey to get where you are now, like what you were doing and how you are now UX designer and also talk about the mindset piece that I know is a big, huge, a big deal in the process. Cause it was yeah. for me too. So.
0: Yeah. Well, it's really exciting to be here talking to you about this because we kind of met each other in the midst of the chaos of a career change. So It's so neat to see ourselves now and how far we've come. So I'm really happy to be here to talk about this. So I was chronically unsure of what I wanted to do when I grew up all throughout high school, college, and adulthood. I knew that I had great organizational skills. I was great at getting people all moving in the right direction together. I love people. I'm a people person and I like helping. And so those things have led me to various opportunities in my life that until now didn't make sense together. But as an interconnected web, it makes a lot of sense these days. So I graduated from a small private university in California In 2002, with a Bachelor of Arts degree in Christian ministry, which is really like religious studies, and a minor in business administration with a focus on nonprofit executive management. (laughs) My first few years out of school, I worked for Protestant Christian churches, and my main roles in those were like program management and event planning, volunteer recruitment and management, and things like that. Because essentially, those organizations are nonprofits that get a lot of work done by volunteers. And so the staff often kind of deals with volunteers in that way to accomplish things on limited budgets. And then as I did that, I worked in that field for three years and realized that it also requires a level of maturity that... I was not prepared for because I was working with people who had needs around marriage and children and families and things that I wasn't experienced in. And I felt ill prepared to be a counselor in a sense is what my role really had become. And I said, you know, it's not that I'm against doing this profession, but at this stage of my life, I don't think I it's a good fit for me. And through a process of relationships I had made in that experience ended up going to work for the American Cancer Society as a community manager. I eventually was overseeing two counties worth of volunteers who had major programs running for hundreds of thousands of patients. And we also did the education portion and volunteer recruitment for Relate for Life events in California. So that was a great experience. And I learned a lot and I had a great time doing it, but unfortunately the economy declined and that position was eliminated across the entire division of that part of the American Cancer Society. Around that time, I also met my husband and I was in the process of moving from California to Oregon. And so I went from American Cancer Society to doing industrial chemical sales. So yeah, make that make sense, but. I did really well. Again, the economy continued to decline. So it just made things like that really difficult to be successful in at that time and meeting goals and stuff like that. And so after I got married, I was able to kind of shift gears and pursue more creative pursuits. I started a photography business. I did many things on the side as well in support of that pursuit. And I photographed weddings and families and portraits and events. And even in that you know, experience, I'm still organizing people and getting people on board and making sure everyone's happy and coordinating things ahead of time and after the fact, delivering things to clients on time that they expect and managing budgets and all of that. And so what has come out of all of that over the years is that I am actually an excellent project manager and I really enjoy that piece of my professional work. I even was using those skills when, after I had my son, I had the opportunity to work part-time as a preschool teacher at his school. I didn't teach in his class, but I taught in other classes and I got to be near him. And it was just such a blessing. I have one child and it was such an amazing time. But while I was doing that, I had a serious lack of um, intellectual challenge. It didn't take a lot of intellectual, you know, Rigor <laughs> to do a good job while it was a great experience, I just really wanted something more. And I was helping my husband, who also works in tech, look for a new job because he had been in a the same job for several years, working in person. and, you know, remote work had become more popular. and we were looking at remote opportunities for him in tech, realizing that tech had like, exploded and salaries were two to four times higher. Remotely than they were in person in our community. It was just amazing to think, wait a minute, he's not the only one that can do work in tech. I can do work in tech. I'm a smart person. I know how to do things. Right. So it was just amazing to have that light switch go on of like, wait, I can do something here and make really great money too. And for the most part, all the things that I had done in the past since I had my son had been in support of me being home with him as much as possible so that we would have that experience for him. And it was wonderful. But the flip side of that is money was tight and we had to be really careful. And we didn't have the opportunity to do a lot of extra fun things and stuff like that. And so I was at that point now where he was going to be entering kindergarten. I was like, you know, there's going to be more time on my hands. Why don't I do something more? So the first thing that I started to pursue was web development out of the recommendation of my husband who was like, why don't you try this? You can be creative. It's something you can learn. I did a bootcamp tech course on it and learned how to do it and realized it's not for me because finding errors in code, it's just not along the lines of my personality. But I really love the process of gathering requirements from someone to understand what they need in terms of a website or a web-based platform and things like that. It kind of led me down a rabbit hole of research to where I stumbled upon UX design around 2019, which there wasn't a lot of information out there at that time of how to get into the industry. Right after that, I think a lot of boot camps exploded and the market got quite saturated, but at that time it was still very new. So I came upon a very interesting mentorship Program that you and I both went through, Brittany, with a wonderful mentor, Ellen Toomey. Shout out Ellen. We loved her. <laughs> and, you know, that program has since closed its doors, but it was such an amazing experience for me because it wasn't your typical boot camp where it was like, do this and then this and then you'll get a job. It was change how you see yourself and you will have success. And What I needed was to overcome all this self-doubt that I had, where being a stay-at-home mom or or a quasi-stay-at-home mom, I stopped having to show up for myself because I was showing up for everybody else. And I lost the muscle tone around showing up for myself. I used to do it. I was single for a long time in my early adulthood And I provided for myself and I paid my own bills. And then my husband started working and and it was no longer on my plate. So I didn't think about it as much. And so doing that program caused me to have to show up for myself and someone else in the program, like every single week. And I had to answer to someone about that. Did I do what I said I was going to do last week? And sometimes it was no, and sometimes that was really hard to say and embarrassing or whatever, but I learned so much through a process of journaling and coaching with my mentor and the peers that I was with in my group. I grew so much in confidence and the ability to push forward when I didn't feel confident and just learning how to become someone new while I kept the parts of me that were great. Throughout all that process, I completed that course. I never built a portfolio and I got hired three times. <laughs> so <laughs> I guess we can talk about that. Yes, I was
1: going to ask about it. <laughs>
0: still, you still have not I still portfolio? have it. I still, I still never have. And I don't know what it is, but it's like, I'm a better verbal communicator than I am in any other format. If I can get in front of someone, I can probably communicate what I need to and share assets in a different way than just putting it out there online for everyone to see. And for whatever reason, I don't know, it's worked for me. I'm not saying I'm never going to have a portfolio. I just have never gotten around to it and it's been okay. Yeah. Yeah.
1: (laughs) The fact that you've been able to do that and it's worked in your favor. I think that's really cool. Actually.
0: And I think maybe the job market has shifted a little bit to where maybe it's not as possible now to get away with that. Maybe it is, I don't know, but so far it's worked. I don't know, I might have to buckle down and do one eventually. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But at the same time, it might be a little easier because I actually have quite a bit of work under my belt to share. And I think part of that hesitancy, in all honesty, to put together a portfolio was probably still that imposter syndrome of, well, it was, quote unquote, just a project that I did in my course or an unpaid client that I worked for. And so I probably should have bit the bullet and gone for it and been confident about the work that I was doing as I learned. If I'm truly honest with myself now, I can say it probably came from an insecurity, but thankfully my speaking skills (laughs) compensate sometimes.
1: Yeah. Like when you're job hunting, you get so wrapped up in the perfect resume or the perfect portfolio, or how do I sell myself if I'm not talking to anybody yet? You know, and yeah. it gets overwhelming, but coming back to, okay, what are my strengths? What do I know I'm capable of? And just doing the first draft and being okay with it being messy and yeah. not being perfect
0: right out of the gate. Yeah, no, 100%. And for me, Honestly, I felt like I was banging my head against a brick wall by applying for jobs, which we had heard through our program. Maybe that's not the best way to go about it. Maybe the best way to go about it is through building a network. And that's something that I tried. I said, okay, going in through the front door with a really polished portfolio and the perfect resume and cover letter for every single job is maybe not for me. So, how can I find a side door? There's got to be one. I can climb in through a window here and get a job, right? (laughs) And so I decided to say, look, I'm comfortable with contracting. I'm comfortable with freelancing. I'm comfortable with selling my personality because I've done that with photography and event planning and volunteer recruitment. I'm comfortable with that. So, why don't I try that? And I started scouring LinkedIn for opportunities where people were posting, Hey, I'm just looking for someone on a single project. Hey, I'm looking for this. Or I just let everybody I knew know that you can tag me in anything and I'll respond if you want to recommend me. So I spent that time building my LinkedIn network. I highly recommend curating your LinkedIn. I did spend a lot of time on my LinkedIn profile. And building connections there with people who you actually seem like, you know, might enjoy speaking to in real life. Because it is possible to connect with people you don't know, but be careful because you can curate a really terrible LinkedIn feed if you're not careful. (laughs) But for the most part, like I just added people who seemed interesting or who I knew through someone else or who was connected to someone I knew. And through that, actually, someone tagged me from our program in a post made by my current partner at at the firm that I work for at the agency, one of the partners made a post about needing someone for a little bit of UX help on a single project. I reached out and I met with him and In our conversation, I just was very myself and I was like, no, I don't really have a portfolio, but this is what I've done. And I did show screen share examples of things I had done and learned, let him know I did have a minimum standard rate that I was looking for, but it was flexible because I was learning and I just wanted to grow with a company and see what could happen. So they brought me on and I didn't realize they had spoken to several people about that. And so they brought me on for this one project, which continues to this day. And now I'm the UX producer for this company and they're still our clients and we still work with them and they have expanded to several different products that we work on for them. It just goes to show that you never know how reaching out might affect you at some point. That agency actually has two businesses under its umbrella, and I do the same thing for both. I'm a UX producer. I'm on the product design side of the house. They do product design and brand and marketing work. One of their agencies focuses solely on healthcare. The other one focuses on enterprise-level SaaS-type products, and I have a great time. I really enjoy gathering the requirements that our clients have building those relationships with clients seeing them week after week getting to know them helping them be successful and look great to their higher ups is huge for us and delivering really great work and it's just been amazing i work with incredible designers who i don't actually do any design work at that company at all, I do a lot of organizing and resourcing and stuff like that. But the designers, the UX and product designers that I work with, are just amazing. And I still get to participate in UX research when we do it. I'll be like a secondary interviewer in in UX interviews and stuff like that. But man, have I learned a lot just in that experience? I'm so thankful for that that experience that I've had there. It's just been so amazing, and so. My biggest piece of advice to anyone that is kind of trying to transition is do not be afraid to put yourself out there before you feel like you're ready because you never know what one yes is going to lead to and find a side door. If you want to change careers and someone tells you this is the way to get through the front door. Okay, great. Try that. If it doesn't work, find a side door and build relationships and see if you can say, let me help you out for a little bit. And after a while with this company, they added me to another project and another project. And then old clients started coming back and they asked for you to be on this project. And so, yes, yes, please. And now I have a great contract with them. In addition to that, working for those two companies, I also was approached by... An amazing person on LinkedIn who has built and sold at least one tech company, if not more in the past. And through our network on LinkedIn, he found me, he contacted me and he said, hey, I have an idea I'm working on that's building on tech that I used in my previous company that I sold, but this idea is not something that that company ever pursued because it wasn't in their wheelhouse. Mm -hmm. Would you like to help me? And he's like, what I really need is this UX thinking ahead of time before we build a product. And then we're going to build a product. And I was like, sure, let me be honest with you about where I'm at in my career. And if so, great. Here's my rate. And it was higher than the previous rate I had stated before, because now I had more experience. And he said, great. When can you start? And I started the following Tuesday. And I thought it was a scam because it was way too good to be true. (laughs) And so it turns out now that I am also the product lead for this health and fitness wearable tech device company that is working on really exciting things utilizing Apple Watches and Fitbits and Whoops and Auras and Garments and stuff like that. I don't know anything about these projects before I start, and then I learn, and then we become fairly well-rounded experts in whatever we're talking about, and we just move forward. So it's been amazing to learn about this stuff. For that company, I'm the product lead. I'm the only product designer. We have an app in that's live in the App Store for Apple, and it's about to go live probably in 2024 for Android. And it's just been amazing. Talking to you about this It's kind of neat to review all the great things that have happened because I'm just in my day-to-day thinking about, write this client back and make sure those devs know what they need to do and make sure I do this for this product design thing that I need to do. But talking about it is like, wow, it's really amazing that all of this has happened in the course of four or five years. It's kind of amazing. Yeah. As I hear you talk about it, it's
1: so impressive. (laughs) (laughs) And I also think of the fact that when we hear people talk about their success we only see that part of it, right? We don't see the day to day. We don't know the work that it took to get them there. We just see them as they are in the present. And we're just like, oh my gosh, I don't know if I could ever do that, you know, but it's not an overnight thing. It's a process. And as many great things as you've done so far, there's still so much room to grow. And that's life, right? Like we need to enjoy the ride maybe a bit more than looking at the destination and being like, well, how do I get there? Yeah. Well, you got to take one step at a time. And it's similar to this idea of, well, if I can't go through the front door, I'll find another way to get in. Yeah. But that takes actions that maybe you're not comfortable with right now, but believing that you're capable and having that mindset that, yeah, this is scary, but I can do it is what's going to get you moving to the side door or in the direction you want to be in.
0: Yeah, a hundred percent. And, you know, it's really interesting because I have these three contracts and I still come across things every week where I'm like, I do not know how to do what I was just tasked with, but It's a big difference now compared to back in the beginning where I would have two weeks of drama in my head about not knowing how to do something before I ever tried to tackle it to whereas now I'm like, I don't have time for that drama in my head. I just got to figure out how to do this. I will try three things and if I can't figure it out, I can ask somebody. So there's two sides to that. There's more people to ask now, but I trust myself a lot more to know that there is an answer out there. I can find it. It's just a matter of, is it faster if I can find it by myself or I can ask somebody? And that's part of it is when you're in the beginning, especially if you're wanting to change your career from a non-technical something to a more technical or tech adjacent something, is that you're not going to trust yourself right away because you don't have that muscle built up of, I did that before, I do it again, you know, But I think it's not like it's hard once you're doing it. It is hard, but it's not hard. Why wouldn't you try? There's a thing that they say at the agencies that I work for that if we can fail fast, we'll get to the solution faster. So it's okay to try. It's okay to fail. It's okay to try again. And sometimes things just don't work. And it's not always you. That's another thing that I figured out, especially going from non-technical to tech is that 92% of the time, it's actually not me. It's something's wrong with the way it's configured. Something's wrong with the way it was set up. Something's wrong with my permission level. Something's wrong with my ability to access it, but it's actually not me. And so not spending so much time thinking that like I'm failing and just asking, Hey, is this supposed to work this way? And someone's like, Oh no, I didn't give you the right permission. And I'm just like, okay, well, thank you very much. And I did save myself five days of worrying, you know? (laughs) Right. Yeah.
1: It's allowing yourself to be curious yeah, and ask the questions rather than sit and stew in your mind about, Oh, I'm not doing X, Y, Z, you know, it's, Getting out of your own way and being Which, willing to ask for help and talk to people and troubleshoot and figure stuff out along the way.
0: Yes. And I would say all of that trouble that we have in our mind is much more common from my experience of what I've seen with women. In my experience, I don't see men struggling in that way. I see men barreling through barriers all the time and like bowls in China shops, just moving forward. And women stew for whatever reason in all of this and spend too much time asking permission and looking for external support when it's like, just barrel through like a man and get it done. And I bet you'll find that you can apologize to a couple of people along the way, but you'll get it done, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. I still, to this day, do not see very many women my age. I'm 43. I do not see very many women my age in tech. And I'm in virtual rooms all day long with me or one other woman and 10 men. And tech is really supposed to be built for everyone, but it's only being built by a certain group. And so we need to continue to work towards that because our voices matter. Our perspectives matter. Our opinions are valuable. And I heard a stat the other day, actually, that something like only a very low percentage of new startups getting funded by venture capitalists are led by women, only like 10% or something like that, maybe less. But those startups are at least twice as productive and successful as all the rest when they're led by women. There's room for you in tech. Tech needs women please join me at the table. It would be lovely to have you there. <laughs> but it can be intimidating when you go to all these interviews and you're speaking to men. And so that was one of your questions to me ahead of time to think about was what was a tough moment in my transition from a non-technical life to, to a career in tech? And how did I stay resilient? I would say I came across some real terrible people. I'll just be honest, who were not interested in making me feel comfortable in any way. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying that it's a male problem. I'm saying that's like literally that person's problem. I actually did contact a person's supervisor to let them know that it was a horrendous interview experience and I would not feel comfortable working at a company like that. And their supervisor wrote back and was like, thank you for letting us know. And that's not our standard. And no, I didn't end up getting pushed forward in that, of course. But I stood up for myself in that moment. And what helped me build resilience through that is to say, no matter what experience I'm having, I deserve to be treated at a certain standard that I expect. And I will not stand for mistreatment no matter what I need. Even if I need this job, you're not going to mistreat me while I'm trying to get it. That was something that was a flag on the hill for me. That is actually a personal standard that I do not work with jerks. (laughs) So as I come across that with people who maybe are accustomed to mistreating others and not hearing anything about it, I just personally have a thing where I'm like, well, I don't really appreciate that. I don't stand for it. So we can move forward in a different way or we can stop right now but either way, it's not going to happen again. (laughs) Yeah. And it served me really well. And I think just because you're changing careers doesn't mean you deserve ill treatment. That's what I would say. So don't stand for it. That's my other piece of advice. Thank you for sharing that because as you're talking about
1: the experiences that have worked out for you, and then now you're bringing up the experiences that were challenging and didn't end up being the route that you took. The thought that's crossed my mind is how in your journey, you will find the people that are meant for you.
0: Totally.
1: And it's your responsibility to make sure that you are aligned with the people and the job and whatnot, because like you said, it could be so easy to say, well, I need this job. And so I'm going to tolerate, but for the People that are listening, if you're considering changing a career, oftentimes it's because there's something about it that's not aligned for you. And that could be the way you feel you're being treated. So I love this idea of working on our boundaries and deciding what is acceptable for us and what's not, and being okay with the fact that if this doesn't work out, because I'm keeping my standards. I am going to find the opposite as
0: long as I keep true to myself. Yeah, definitely. And again, like 92% of the time, it's not me. This is about that person. It's not about my value. It's not about what I'm bringing to the table. It's about this person thinks it's okay to show up like that. So taking it outside of myself is another process that I've gone through because I work with so many more people now than I ever I've had to in the past, even at a 300 person wedding. I still probably see more people during a week in my jobs now with all the meetings I attend and everything. So, building a thicker skin of realizing I'm good as long as I'm comfortable with how I'm showing up, it's up to these people to show up how they should. And, you know, for the most part, most people are lovely, most people are wonderful. I've met a lot of really supportive. Men in tech who want to see more women in tech. And I work with some great guys that are totally supportive. So I wouldn't fear it at all. I'm just saying, don't expect fluffy unicorns all the time because it's not always like that. But that's okay because it's not you, it's them. Yeah. Yeah. I like that
1: reminder. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Can you talk a little bit about um, your
0: support system throughout your career change? Yeah. So first of all, my support system is really, my husband is just a huge fan of me. He's a huge cheerleader. He is the one who, when I would get so down on myself and thinking that I'm never going to get a job where I'm getting paid, I'm never going to do this. He'd be like, never say never. You're going to do this. It's amazing. And even now he's like, you are bringing so much value to where you are. You have so much to give. Your career is only going to grow. He's still my biggest support. Having that, I know, is such an honor and a privilege to have in my own home that not everybody gets to have. That has been huge for me to keep pushing forward. As far as my network, it has been mostly just whenever I meet someone and build a good relationship, connecting through a follow-up chat or on LinkedIn, but I have been entirely online this whole time. I have been entirely remote. I've never worked in person in tech. Everything I've ever done to network has been online. I lived in LinkedIn for a long time and that's where I made a lot of connections. That's where I've gotten the entirety of my work is through LinkedIn and social media. I've had some other clients along the way that I met through Facebook groups and different things, women in tech Facebook groups, but for the most part, Everything I've done has been through LinkedIn.
1: Can you offer any practical tips or resources for listeners to help them with shifting their mindset towards a new career?
0: Yeah, definitely. I think that this may be more or less difficult depending on a lot of factors. Some people have a natural high opinion of themselves when they're starting, and that is not going to be as difficult for them right? So if they have like a strong sense of self going into it, it's not going to be as hard to shift your mindset. It will be easier to just dig in, get to work, make progress, learn new things and get going. But for people who might be struggling with self-confidence for whatever reason that are factors outside of career, just like your life, your family experience, your upbringing, I a hundred percent think that you should get a mentor as soon as you can. And join a group of like-minded, supportive people who are trying to do the same thing. Because you cannot change your mindset by yourself if you have extenuating factors. Counseling as well is huge for that because there's no reason to go through life feeling like you can't succeed or be successful in another career or have what you think other people deserve. Those types of things, like go to counseling. Get yourself moving in a new direction because outside input is the most helpful thing in order to start changing that mindset. And then on top of mentorship and things like that, I just recommend looking into books. Like there's a book called Mindset. Literally read the book called Mindsets because it's great. The author of that is Carol Dweck. I highly recommend reading. And however you can input external information into your mind in a way that might be new, if you haven't ever done it before, is huge. And then my third thing is a quick journaling every day and just kind of focus around what you want and your vision for your life and where you're trying to go and what's holding you back. Really focusing there, I think, is super helpful. But you deserve it. If you're trying to change your career, I just want to speak to you. You deserve it. You 100% can do it. You 100% deserve it. There's no reason you can't do something more than what you've done in your life, no matter what your circumstances are. Because at the end of the day, if you're in the United States or North America, like the opportunities are absolutely there for you, no matter what the economy is doing and everything. We still have these opportunities out there. So I say go for it because if you're going into tech, we definitely need you. So come on over.
1: When you're saying to surround yourself with like-minded people, or get counseling because getting outside feedback is going to be helpful. If you can expand your circle mm-hmm. and meet with people that are going to support you in a different way than maybe you're used to, it's because they can often see things in you that you can't see in yourself. Oh, yeah. And that's why it's really important to find that support system. Outside of who you're used to associating with, because they can help you to see who you are and what you're capable of. And that encouragement is going to help catapult you towards that life and that vision that you have for yourself.
0: Yeah, I 100% agree. And I think sometimes the people in our lives that love us the most have the most fear for things to change. If we have people in our life who are afraid of things changing and potentially being more negative in your life? Like, what if you leave your stable teaching job and then you can't get a tech job and what are you going to do? Like, that's crazy, right? Like someone in your life might be telling you that. Don't listen to that voice. In our mentorship experience, we were challenged by our mentor to make a list of voices we're listening to. And it might be very short. And that might be actual people in your real life of advice that you're actually accepting. And it doesn't mean that the people you're not listening to aren't going to be giving you advice, but you can put a steel wall in your mind and say, inside of my heart, I understand that I'm not taking that advice. And thank you so much for your input, you know, yes, Yes. and that has also been huge because in my life, a lot of those people that were quite negative about what I was trying to do have seen success and have come around and said, wow, that's actually kind of amazing. Once you have an app live in the app store that people are paying for They're kind of like, oh yeah, I guess it did work out for you, you know? Yeah. (laughs) So let your success be your proof. You know what I mean? In the future. And you don't have to listen to those people who can't see what you can see. Yeah. I love that.
1: Well, Erin, thank you so much for your time and for joining me on my podcast. It's been really fun catching up with you. I love hearing your story and your perspective and your enthusiasm. Or what you've done and what you are doing right now. So thank you so I'm, much. I'm grateful that we're friends and that mm-hmm. we met and to have you as part of my my circle now. So,
0: yeah, a hundred percent. i I totally agree. It's been so nice to talk and catch up because we're so busy now. We work so much, we don't get to talk anymore. But it's so exciting to see what you're doing with your company. And moving forward to encourage other people to do what you've done. I think anyone that hires you as a mentor or a coach would be so lucky to have you. So hit Brittany up for help because she is such an encourager, but honest. I mean, you're definitely an honest person who gives fair feedback and you're gonna tell them, look, I see this, which is true, but also I see these wonderful things. And so, yeah, this has been awesome. Super, super wonderful to be on here. Thank you so much. Thanks, Erin. Appreciate that. (laughs) I want to give a huge thanks to Erin
1: for being here on the podcast today. It was so nice catching up with her after being in our careers for a while and staying busy. I'm really grateful that she's a part of my life and my career journey. And I hope that her advice helped empower you to believe that you deserve to do something that you love. As a reminder, please be sure to subscribe to the Shift Your Day Job podcast for more incredible stories, expert advice, and actionable steps to propel your career in a direction that truly fulfills you. Until next time, keep dreaming, keep shifting, and keep making those career moves.